Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, June 4th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from 1 Corinthians 11:28. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Preached a version of this a, a couple times through the years, um, but as we take the Lord's Supper today, the, the topic is just um, just reading the passage and thinking about how we examine ourselves and uh, focusing on the Lord's Supper. And we'll, at some point, we will also be reading our, our, our covenant together. But I'm going to read verses 17 up through the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 11. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. He's speaking to the church at Corinth there. With the, having lots of divisions and things going on there. So that's the, the context and the way they were taking the Lord's Supper. We'll, we'll come to that as we come along. But verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died but if we judged ourselves truly we would not be judged but when we are judged by the Lord we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world so then my brothers when you come together to eat wait for one another anyone is hungry let him eat at home so that when you come together it will not be for judgment about other things about the other things I will give directions when I come let's pray together Heavenly Father thank you for another time when we can gather together as your people and and remember our Lord's death by doing the, the most beautiful drama and application that you've given to us in the Lord's Supper. I pray today that, that, the, that as we look at this text, that we would, you give us ears to hear and eyes to see truth, that we would be taught. I pray that 
um, as we remember our Lord's death, that he would be more beautiful to us today than he was yesterday. I pray that Jesus would increase in our lives and, and that we would decrease. Father, I pray that uh, you would just give us great grace this morning in spite of me. I pray that you would work greatly as we look at this text and as we take the Lord's Supper this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to examine yourself in the context of the Lord's Supper? And I know you've heard this over and over through the years, maybe not just from me, but from other preachers, but it is very important because it is a command that we do as we regularly take the Lord's Supper, which <clears throat> those of you who are visiting with us, we take the Lord's Supper here at Grace once a month, the first Sunday of the month, but we do it regularly and we are commanded. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11 to examine ourselves. And so this morning, I have three truths, very briefly, <clears throat> about what it means to examine ourselves as we just remind ourselves of these things as we take this morning. First truth, we must remember the real meaning of the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper and we examine ourselves, we must, we must remember that which is real and remember it in the right way. We must know what the meaning of the, the bread and the, and the wine, the bread and the juice that we drink. I get this from verse 29, the, the, <clears throat> which says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Well, there's a lot here on discerning the body because you're talking about the body of Christ and you're also talking about the body of the believers who come together. And, there, and there's some overlap there, but... In some way, Paul is saying, discern the, the body of Christ. In other words, <clears throat> I think here he's saying, understand what it means to take the Lord's Supper together. The bread that you are eating, the wine that you are drinking, has a very clear meaning. They represent the body and the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross. That's what we remember as Christians. There's really not, nothing more important than to do exactly what Jesus has told us to do, is to remember the cross. Jesus died. He, he laid down his life as a sacrifice on the cross. And we know the Corinthians were guilty of not remembering the true meaning of the supper because of the way that they were acting. And we, can't, we can never move the way we live away from what we believe. Because what we believe is played out in the way that we live. And so Paul was saying, I know you're not getting the meaning here because of the way you're acting when you come together. <clears throat> and so I think to the Corinthians, at least to some of them, it had become a formality. And so this was evident in what we read. They, they were having divisions. They were not discerning the body of Christ. Their actions were selfish, <clears throat> unloving, and, and, and I think very divisive. Look at verses 17 and 18. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. So he's, not, he's saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't say what you're doing is right here. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. Then look at verse 20, and, uh, and, and on, going on from there. When you come together, 
It is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. You see, just a little context there. There were both rich and poor in that congregation. And those who brought the food were probably the, the, the more wealthy. And they were bringing the food and the drink. And they should have been sharing it and waiting on their other brothers. And probably about a third of that congregation were slaves as well. So maybe even slaves of some of those who were supposed to serve those who, who were more wealthy. And so at the Lord's Supper, it's not to be like this at all. And so they were, they were, they were doing that. There, was, there, there may have been some class discrimination. There may have been racial discrimination. And instead of taking all the food that was brought and giving equally to all of those who were present, there, then there were divisions. There were cliques that were forming, relatives possibly, friends over here, <clears throat> those who maybe ate at this particular table. The rich and the prosperous separated from the poor, <clears throat> letting those who could bring very little or had nothing to sit by themselves. And so it certainly was not a love feast. Now, let me just say something about that. You're thinking, how, we don't do that like, we don't do the Lord's Supper like that at all now because we come together, we take it here. But in the early church, probably the best way I can see, that the way I've studied, they would come together and they would have a meal. And, <clears throat> and before the meal started, then whoever was leading, one of the elders, the apostles, whoever was there, they would break the bread and repeat the words of the Lord Jesus and say, this is my body broken for you. And then they would begin the, the, the meal and they would have the meal together and they'd just have a normal meal and they would sit and chat and talk for, for a period of time together. And then at the end, they would, they would take the, the wine there and, and <clears throat> this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, and they would repeat that. So would be the supper. We do it very differently but the principle is still the same <clears throat> we must consider one another and we'll come to that in a moment but we must take the Lord's Supper and remember why we are taking the Lord's Supper and so at, in their context Paul was saying what you're doing is just a meal in fact it is not the Lord's Supper at all and so look at verses 29 and 30 he says, some were eating and drinking judgment upon themselves, and some were weak and ill, and some even died. So at this point, Paul is very upset at what was going on there and very angry. And it, it amazes me, too, at, when you think about the Corinthian church, all of the mess that was going on there in, in a church, and, the, and then all of the instructions that came from Paul and others, and just amazing the grace of God there that you would think that even Christians could act like the way they were acting. But Paul is very upset. And it's, it's as if he is saying, can you not discern the meaning of the supper and what Christ did for you? What are you doing or what you are doing is, is not Christian at all. What you're doing is a, is a mockery, I think Paul was saying. In fact, it's no communion at all. You have the ceremony, but you do not have the reality. You're just eating some bread and drinking some wine, and you've forgotten to differentiate between the physical meal and its spiritual meaning. 
I imagine Paul saying, you may be breaking some bread and passing the cup and repeating some words of Jesus, but what you are doing has nothing to do with Christ. Therefore, remember Christ. Remember what he did. Remember his death, what it accomplished. And that's what we do today. We're not just coming and just drinking and eating and moving on. We remember the death, particularly the sacrifice for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We today here are here as Christians and we remember Christ laid down his life as a sacrifice. And if you are a Christian today, then your sins are covered, all of them. What you did this morning, if you may have sinned yesterday, the week before, and all the way back, all of your sins are covered. And going all the way forward, you remember we talked about last week with Rahab when she, there's a big debate on whether, whether she, you know, when she lied to the, to the spies or not, whether that was justified. Well, the New Testament doesn't speak about the lie so much. The New Testament says what she did, she did in faith. And so we have faith today in the death and the resurrection of Christ, and the person and work of Christ. And, you know, whether our sins are something that we've actually done deliberate, that we repent of, or whether we don't even know how, how often as a husband or a wife that where your spouse has come to you and pointed something out to you and you did not even know that you, what you were doing, and then you've looked at Scripture and you go, you know, that's, that's a sin. You don't even know it. Well, our faith is... is Below it all is mixed with good and bad. We don't even know our own hearts. Um, and there's so much more motive that goes into things. Why am I doing things? And I, I just, even thinking about my own self, um, just my affections. I, I'm, and we must ask ourselves even today as we take the Lord's Supper, how are your affections? How is your love for God um, and His Son these days? But Christ has covered all of our sins, and we remember that today. And if Christ has covered our sins, then we act and we eat together in this way differently. So therefore today, as we take the Lord's Supper, we must remember the meaning. It can never become a formality. If so, we will do essentially the same thing the, the, the Corinthians did. We must remember what the Son of God did especially his death on the cross. And when we do this properly, then we will not be guilty of what was happening in the Corinthian church. So that's truth number one. We must remember the death and remember it in the right way and understand what the Lord's Supper means as we take it. Number two, examine yourself. I get this directly, as I've already shared in verse 28. Let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I think it's, it's pretty simple. But there may have been some confusion over what Paul means, or may be confusion today, over what Paul means when he says, examine yourself. I think many people are told to examine themselves before taking the Lord's Supper, and they wonder. You maybe you've, and I, I've, I've done this before. And it seems to me there is a, a bit, there's, there's some, some that, it, that it's a bit 
difficult and we don't understand it all and there's some mystery here but have you ever said when you're thinking about taking the Lord's Supper have I confessed all my sins have you ever thought that have I confessed them all here as I come in have I examined myself properly and so then you just I, if, I'm just speaking from my own personal <clears throat> just times in the past thinking through this I'll go have I confessed that or that or that oh no I've missed something and I think that we have done that and we must admit that these are some pretty serious words when we think about examining ourselves look at verse 27 whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty and so the we're, we're thinking if I haven't confessed all my sins then I'm guilty um, and Again, it's, it's, it's mysterious there, but I don't think, well, let me just keep going. Look at verses 29 and 30. He says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So in other words, if we're not doing and understanding, discerning the Lord and understanding and taking the Lord's Supper in the right way, understanding what the Lord's Supper means, and then we are acting in sinful ways to together then we are drinking judgment on ourselves that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died he says well I think a lot of some of the confusion may have to do with the word worthy we just sung that song who is worthy that that really answers where I'm going with this but I must ask which of us is worthy <laughs> none of us from one regard, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That God would speak and allow any of us as sinners in this room, to any sinner, to, to hear him is absolutely amazing. I feel like the Apostle John, when in his vision he saw the throne room of God, and it just goes right along with the song today. Listen to these words. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written, within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then he heard these words, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So let me take a moment to say, if you are a Christian today, Christ is worthy. And if you are covered by his blood, then his worth has come to you. So that is why we can take the Lord's Supper even as sinners, okay? but our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. Christ is worthy. That means that, as Romans 8, 1 says, if you are a Christian, there is therefore now no condemnation because God has condemned his son. And by faith, if we trust in him, he has taken the condemnation that we deserve. Uh, and that's what it means to take the Lord's Supper. That means that are we worthy to take the Lord's Supper? Yes, 
If you are a Christian and by faith have looked unto Christ, repented of your sins, then you are worthy to take the Lord's Supper. If you believe on him, if you've received him, then Christ has become a curse for you. This is what we remember. He was crushed by God on the cross. He took all the wrath that your sins, that my sins deserved upon himself that we would not have to endure what most of the world today endures and will endure for eternity. And this is what the Lord's Supper says to us. Jesus says, this is my body which is for you. Take and eat. So, in this passage, Paul is not saying that we must in some way become worthy. Because Christ is worthy. He's talking about how we take the Lord's Supper together. And that's for another time. But he's not saying that we must in some way become worthy in our own value to God in order to take the Lord's Supper. Christ is worthy. And in him, we are worthy. And so remember the context. The Corinthians were sinning by not making a difference between the supper and its meaning. It had become a formality. They were not following the example of Christ in the ways they were acting one to another. They were saying, I'm a Christian, I'm following Christ, I believe on him. But then they were turning around and going exactly against the commands of God and how they should treat one another in the body as they take the Lord's Supper. They were guilty in this regard, verse 27, concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And God was judging in the form of discipline and chastisement. Some were weak, some were ill, some even have died. And then verse 31, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I believe this, this, this verse or these verses are teaching us that we should judge ourselves, okay? God will discipline his children, okay? And that word judge needs some context, okay? Because as Christians, Christ was judged, okay? So God doesn't judge us in that guard, but he does give judgment and he does discipline us. But what he's saying here is look at the way you treat one another and are you following, you know, the biblical commands and the things the scripture teaches us on how we love one another and how we come together. And if so, then you're doing a good thing when you're loving one another because you're following the example of Christ. So he's saying, humble yourselves before the Lord. And that's what we do. So to examine ourselves as we take the Lord's Supper doesn't mean that we then have to confess all of our sins in order to make us worthy. It is a heart of repentance and faith that we are confessing. If you've, if you've been angry with your spouse this morning or with your children or kids, if you've been disobedient, then as a Christian, by faith, then you should say, oh, yeah, I have sinned. God, please forgive me. Have mercy upon me and then look unto Christ. Doesn't First John tell us you know, if any, <clears throat> he says, if anybody says they haven't sinned, then they are a liar because all have sinned, okay? And he says, but when we do sin, God has sent his son to be our, the word John uses, our propitiation. 
In other words, God sent him on our behalf that we might look unto him. So that's what we do. And so to examine ourselves doesn't mean that we must become perfect or confess every sin, although we, in our heart we're trying, but we can't get there. But what we do when we come to the Lord's Supper, we say that Christ is perfect. Because of his blood, we daily feast at the table. And so in the end, what does it mean to examine yourself before taking the Lord's Supper? The Heidelberg Catechism gives a good answer. <clears throat> here's, the, here's the question in the Heidelberg Catechism. Who may be admitted to the Lord's table? In other words, who can come and take the Lord's Supper? Here's the answer. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their continuing weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and to lead a better life. Hypocrites and those who are unrepentant, however, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Those are strong words. Even for some of us who might come in here and continue to name the name of Christ and say, I'm a Christian, but then tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next week continue to do the very same things that you know are sinful against God and then to continue on in such things. And I know that, that, that again, when I look at my own heart and I go, wow, how often do I commit the same sins? And we're all at different places in our sanctification and God knows our hearts, and that's why it's very hard to know the heart because there is, there is great sin in all of us. But it, it still is a warning because when we go to other places, and I'll repeat this a little bit later, Paul says to test and see that you are in the faith. And there, there are lots of places. <clears throat> Make your calling and election Sure. In other words, look and see. And so that's what we do. The Christian's always thinking, oh, I'm such a sinner, but I want to repent. And that's what we do. And we do repent. It's a heartfelt repentance that never goes away. So yes, confess your specific sins. If you've sinned against your brother or sister, go to them and say, I've sinned against you. If you've sinned against God in your heart, nobody knows but you, then today confess. Say, God, have mercy upon me. We do that. But we certainly can't confess them all. At the same time, our hearts are repentant, trusting in the finished work of Christ as we examine ourselves. So as far as worthiness is concerned I think it goes back to truth number one the motive of our hearts and the way in which we treat one another shows the worth of the gospel it's similar to what Paul says to the Philippians in 127 only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ Christ is worthy we are not but in him we have his worthiness 
In him, our lives show forth the gospel. And so the way that we take the supper shows the worth of the gospel, particularly his death. So that's truth number two. Truth number three, love the body of Christ. So first one is remember the, the real meaning of the supper. Don't let it be a formality. Two, examine yourselves. Three, love the body. Look at verse 33. <clears throat> wait for one another. So then, my brothers, when you come together, wait for one another. Consider one another. Consider those sitting next to you in the body of Christ, the church here. And do this in light of what Christ has done for us. So we particularly do that, brothers and sisters, in our home groups as we pour our lives out into those who come and meet you know, every other week throughout the year. Um, we do this particular in our home groups. I know we come here on Sunday mornings and you're, you sing together. It's a, it's a great time of corporate worship. But it's, and, and we do speak for a few minutes afterwards, but it's, it's harder to do that if this is all we were doing in the body. And so I would say that where, you know, love one another is played out is not so much just, I say, sitting here beside you, of course, if you see your brother or sister has a need, then ask them, how can you pray? How can you think with them through things? How can you help them? But it mostly works its way out in our home groups. And so the best example, the best explanation that we have on how we are to love one another, I get from Philippians 2, 1 to 7. Listen to this. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, so today are you finding any encouragement in Christ? Of course, as a Christian you are. Any comfort from love? Any participation in the Spirit? Any affection and sympathy? In other words, are these things, do you, do you I hate to say the word feel, but do you feel these things? Do you do you experience these things? Is this the truth that is happening in your life when you think about grace and you think about your home group and you think about the people of God? I mean, is there any comfort that comes from your brother or sister in Christ? Is there any participation in the Spirit? Any affection? If so, verse 2, Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's the example. Who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to or to be grasped, the ESV says, but made himself nothing. This is talking about the Lord Jesus, in essence, God, his deity, the glory that he had before the foundations of the world, thinking about his incarnation coming to earth. God took on flesh. So he says, he, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is humility. To come and die for sinners. 
not just die, but to take on flesh and to live the life that he lived. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. <laughs> that is our example, brothers and sisters. You see, one of the evidence, evidences that we are in Christ is this. We love one another and we consider one another. So that's, that's our truths for this morning. As we transition into the Lord's Supper, let me just give a, a summary and ask, how can we examine ourselves? How are we examining ourselves? First, if you are not a Christian and you've heard the gospel for the first time today and you believe, I'm not a Christian, but I want to be a Christian and I believe what I'm hearing, then I would say, look unto Christ. Repent. Come talk to, talk, if it's a child, talk to one of your parents. If, if it's someone else, talk to someone you know is a Christian. Come and talk to the elders. Also, if you are a non-Christian here, the Lord's Supper is for Christians. So you really have no business if you know you're not a Christian. And we often have non-Christians in visiting with us. <clears throat> there, because there are, no, there are no benefits for you to take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper benefits God's people, those who have faith. And if, if you take the Lord's Supper and you're not a Christian, you're just doing what we spoke of earlier. You've just got um, the, the formality without the meaning. But if you are a Christian today, and, and I share this every time we take the Lord's Supper, if you are visiting with us, we, have op we do practice open communion. If you are a Christian and you are not under discipline from another church, you're a baptized believer in Christ, we welcome you to come and take the Lord's Supper. But as a Christian, if you are in Christ this morning, there is really nothing that should keep you away from taking the Lord's Supper. Now, of course... Examine yourself in all areas. This is part of our, as I said before, testing to see that we are in the faith. This is part of our working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But if you are a Christian today, rest assured, if you are coming to Christ in repentance and faith, your sins are nailed to the cross. They are covered. And so that is what we remember when we take the Lord's Supper. You are saying, my sins have been laid upon Christ. And that's what we remember. And so as a church, we must consider one another. If you've got something against your brother or your sister, you know you've been treating them in a way that you should not, or you have certainly, then ask God to forgive you and go to that person. Even after today, just go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I've, I've done you wrong. Um, and that happens. That happens, you know, in a church of any size. So I think looking back to the Corinthian church, if we should see that we are behaving in any way like that or any other any way principled, then we should repent as a church. And if, if not, then we're not taking the Lord's Supper in the proper way. So with that in mind... Let's just spend just a minute, just 30 seconds, a minute, and uh, just be silent and just think about these words and let's, let's examine ourselves. Yes, 
in repentance and faith, confess them to the Lord. Um, and then after a minute, I'll lead us in a prayer. And then we'll, Blaine, and when I lead us in that prayer, you can come up to the other side and we'll take the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the Lord Jesus all of our hopes, anything that we desire to be good, any promise that you've made towards your people, our Father, towards this world, is found in Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. We are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but Christ has taken our sins upon himself. Father, we are your, your children, and we give thanks today. Thank you for the, the Lord's Supper, and what a beautiful command for us to follow in this drama of the Lord's Supper. Um, and Father, just to do it regularly helps us if we might get off on one particular week or another particular week by doing it regularly it just causes us by your grace it is a means of grace if we've been a little far away then it brings us back to the basics of the gospel we believe the death and what the our, our lord's death has done for us and so we take today by faith help us increase our faith and help us to take in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.